to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you've all enjoyed the end of the season. Um, probably didn't if you're not of a, of a Rams persuasion. Those pesky lot from the uh, from Los Angeles, but, uh, you know, what can you do, eh? Unlucky Bengals. They were, they were dead close. Um, but I hope you enjoyed the playoffs. I hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl and everything. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the start of our bit of a bit of a rest of, of not having our heads absolutely knackered because of the, the Seahawks during the off-season and that. So let's say that's the start of our annual little eight-month holiday of not having our hearts broken. So uh, I hope you're all starting to enjoy that. And uh, and yeah, um, we're back. We thought we'd, we'd, we'd kick up the... Uh, the reclining sofas and just watch the playoffs and watch the madness unfold and, uh, and then get back to, to talking Seahawks once that was all done and it has been done obviously with the Super Bowl and everything and uh, yeah but we're back we're going to talk Seahawks again we're going to review the 2021 season tonight we're going to we're going to close the hatchet we're going to close the door and put to bed the 2021 season so we don't ever have to talk about it ever again until the next podcast uh, where we will be talking about it again but just to get everything off our chest for you know, just that we want to say, like I say, we'll go through some of the players that that stood out for us, and and you know, ones that perhaps didn't, and um, and then we'll go back and review some of the, our favourite players, our favourite highlights, whether that's podcast or from the uh, the Seahawks itself. Um, obviously, we'll touch a little bit on the coaching changes that have recently happened. Obviously, that's been a big topic of debate in the not just on this podcast, but in the Seahawks world in general, the uh, the coaching staff, and there has been some early changes with with that. So we'll get onto that as well. Um, but yeah, we're just going to use this as a podcast to sum up the 2021 season, review it all, and uh, and have a bit of a laugh, so we never have to talk about it again. Um, and joining me as always tonight, it's Mr. Positive Pez himself. How are you? I'm good, mate. Good. Long time no speak. Yeah, just a little bit. A couple of weeks. Nothing yeah. nothing major. Them playoffs are a bit they were, they were wild, weren't they? Some of them. That Chiefs Bengals game. Bonkers, yeah. oh, oh, the Chiefs Bengals one, yeah. Yeah, that was. And then I don't know if it's because I'm biased, but that last drive for the Rams, if that wasn't like the NFL just going, we need the Rams to work in LA, so this is how it's going to go down because. Like I've 
openly admitted in podcasts, I don't really do O-line. Mm. But when you see the O-line all jump back a step before the ball's even snapped, and then a flag come out and you're like, this is it, the Rams are going to lose. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, no, it's on the Bengals. Like, yeah. I was in a pub, right, and everyone was kicking off, like, except for one stupid new fucking Giants fan who's like, oh, I just want the NFC to win. Fuck off, mate. <laughs> Dick. Like, no, it was fucking atrocious, really. It was. It, it was shocking. Pez is back, by the way, everyone, if you hadn't noticed. Pez is, Pez is back already. He's setting his stall up three minutes in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I do agree with you. It was it was completely rigged. I mean, it's, it's the Rams in Hollywood. I mean, the Super Bowl's there. I mean, we talked about it all year that, you know, there was a little conspiracy theory going around that one of the LA teams was going to be in the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, don't throw flags for, for three quarters and then it gets the final drive and the and the laundry starts coming out. Yeah, a little bit suspicious. I'm, I'm with you with that, but uh, uh, what can you do? What was, can you do? It was fucking horrendous. Yeah. Josh, join us as always again, mate. How are you? I'm, I'm good, boys. I'm glad to be back on the air with you. It's... Uh, Seems to have been too long. It's been nice to be able to watch some football without the stress mm. of whatever we could do wrong, we just do. So it was nice seeing some other teams do it. I mean, I, on Pez's point with the Super Bowl, I went to the rugby club and watched it, and it was a great game up until, mm. the, like you said, the laundry started coming out. And I was chatting with some of the boys, and I said, Look, so far has cost what? Is a billion? Or yeah. something something ridiculous. Five and a half billion, isn't it? Five <laughs> that's not real it's money. It's a powerful air conditioning <laughs> unit, isn't it? Do you know, most of that's the speakers to pump out the crowd noise. Yeah. Um, you know, and we were all saying, you know, they need to pay it off somehow. When you think like the was it the 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 lowest tier ticket for the Super Bowl was like eight grand or something ridiculous. Yeah. And they packed it out with seventy four thousand. That's that pays a lot towards it. But I mean you know, you can't take it away from the Rams. Stafford actually did what Stafford does with a, a decent team. And uh, Eli Apple just, he, he, he can't cover anything. No. You know, uh, a, a, absolute shithouse. And when you put awful. him against put him against Cooper Cup, who has been the standout wide receiver for the year, it, it was only going to be one way on it. You know, it, I don't know. I, I mean, I, less less about the Rams, though. He's been awful ever since... Like, I've seen him play football, but he still manages to put himself in these positions to then get himself found out again. Yeah, just... but it, 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 he's the sum of the part, or part of the sum, isn't he? So it's like, you think the Bengals as a team himself, the, the crap line, the, the, you know, the DBs weren't amazing. Trey Flowers actually did Trey all right Flowers, for them. Yeah. But that's because they played him in a position where he's a benefit. And, you know... Ooh, well, it's, we've been talking about our defensive frailties and shortcomings all season, so it says a lot, doesn't it? And there's a reason why we've got a new uh, defensive coordinator. Well, a, a new, old, old, new. Yeah, we'll get, new, we'll get into yeah, that. We'll get into um, it, yeah. But yeah, like, as a team, they gelled. They have one of the most exciting attacking teams. You know, I, I felt really bad for them. I was rooting for them. Big time, just oh, anyone yeah. but the, anyone but the Rams. But then, as the game went on, you thought it's going to be the Rams and no one else. But but now, hopefully, they've paid off a massive chunk of that debt for SoFi. Someone else will stand a chance next year. Good point. Good point. I love these little conspiracy theories already. It's good. Apart from apart from that, lads, I'm brilliant. 
<laughs> Good. I was waiting for that. You, you didn't tell us how you were. You just got straight to ripping Eli Apple in the bloody ring. Busy, busy, and I'm currently experiencing terrible twos with the toddler. But apart from that, life's great. Counting down to my wedding. Hey. Brilliant. Well, should we get into it? Because there's no point hanging around. Let's get into it. Let's um, do it. Let's get some players that, uh, like I say, we, we'll we'll start on a positive Pez note. We'll start with the positives. Um, let's let's go with players that uh, either impressed us the most or maybe surprised us the most in terms of you didn't think they would be as good as they were. Pez, do you want to go first, mate? Yeah, I'm. I'm going to chuck it out there as a bit of a curveballer, but I reckon Sidney Jones did himself this yes. by the end of it. I've got I was it. not expecting yeah. that. I, I was looking at it all. See, I could have gone Jordan Brooks, but we'll... What? Change the record for a change. Well done, mate. It's just, <laughs> it, it's just too obvious. Like The man's a god. Like If no one can see it, then you're stupid. It's fine. But we'll let you off. Um, no, but Sidney Jones, he started off slow. And everyone was like, oh, fuck. Here we go. Just another just hit and hope. Dud player and then as he learned the system and he got comfortable and he learned who he was playing with he did improve a lot and did we sign him just on one year or was it a multiple just yeah, on one year I reckon they'll bring him back because they'll still be able to get him cheap because I think next year he will he could improve even more because people said the potential of him coming into this kind of scheme could really bring out his old college form. And you kind of saw bits of that towards the back end of the season. Like, a lot of the team towards the back end of that season when there was nothing to lose started showing their true potential because they weren't playing with any stress. Um, you can look into that multiple of reasons why, but if he could take that form into pre-season, have a full pre-season with the DBs, with his team grow more confident. I think you're looking at DJ Reed and Trey Brown, people say they're the lock corners, but we don't know what Trey Brown's going to be when he gets back from mm. the injury he had. And I would not be surprised if Sidney Jones is actually the shock cornerback to be starting. Yeah, it might not shock some people, but it might actually shock quite a few. I'm glad you said that because you sold me down the river about six weeks ago when I said Sidney Jones on this podcast. <laughs> so I'm glad you changed your record again. Um, but no, yeah, I, I thought Sidney Jones has done well again. I completely agree with you. Um, I thought he came in and did, uh, like I say, there was a pretty a pretty bad, well, I'm not saying I say a bad feeling about him when it came in, but it just felt like another guy that came in and everyone sort of went like, All right, it's, it's not going to fix anything. It's just another sort of stopcat. It's like, you know, when are we actually going to sort of, seriously improve with that position outside of DJ Reed and he's came in and like I say I think he's earned a spot on on the roster again for next season if they want to bring him back. Um not saying he's your cornerback one, not saying he's your cornerback two, but he's a solid squad player and you need depth and you need guy because guys go down with injuries. We've seen it this year with Trey Brown and everyone like that. You know, guys get injured, especially at the cornerback position. Um and I thought he did well. He's a good tackler. He, he's good in I think he's better in man coverage from what I saw. Um, but I thought he did. I thought he he complemented the scheme pretty well, learnt the playbook quickly. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm all in on on Sydney Jones coming back on a cheap deal if he can if he can get him back because I mean we've mentioned him there as well. DJ Reed's a free agent. You would imagine that they're going to bring him back, but you know 
if they don't, then you're gonna be you're gonna be desperate for corners. But uh, but yeah, what's your thoughts on uh, on Sydney Jones, Josh? I, I see. I, I was again thought what you thought. I thought it was like oh, it's just a cheap alternative, someone to bring in and sort of pad out the roster because yeah. um, cornerbacks were dire. Yeah. Um. Obviously, because he, he was Washington, wasn't he? He was a husky. Yeah, he was. Yeah. 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 Um. And his, I, so I when he came in, I started watching some of his college sort of highlights, and I thought, wow, this guy can play. Obviously, he's bounced around a bit, and he's not been productive for people. Mm. Watching him towards the tail end of the season, he did a very serviceable job. He was absolutely fantastic. He was one of the only one of the players that I looked at earlier for the ones that impressed me, but I didn't write down the stats like every others. <laughs> I wish I had now. Um, but yeah, now impressed with him. Like I said, he, he'd be a solid. Depending on what happens with our DB room, you could probably look at Reed, him, and maybe Trey Brown as a slot corner. You know, just playing that sort of extra safety. Yeah. Um, it, it, it opens up possibilities. If we can get him for cheap, even better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to throw one out there, Josh, in terms of one that's uh, stood out for you? Um, I, I've got loads, but I'd like Good. to go one defensive and one offensive. Go on. Um, but I'll go with my defensive one first. And the, I think everyone's going to have this one. Um, so I'll leave the one of them for you guys, because I know you guys have got them on your list. But I'm going to go for Carlos Dunlap. Like, I... Last season, he came in, made a change. This season, we played him completely wrong at the first half of the, the season. He was dropping into coverage, just wasn't putting pressure. And then by the time the season finished, he had 24 solo tackles, 11 assists, eight and a half sacks, one safety, and a force fumble. Now, mm-hmm. that he, I, I thought he was brilliant. You're playing where he needs to be and where he should be, and he produces, even at the ripe old age of, what was he, 33 Something you know? like that, isn't it? The, yeah. isn't it? It's like in NFL terms, it's pretty ancient, supposedly. Yeah. For a pass, yeah, anyway, yeah, exactly. But I thought he did brilliantly. Like when you've got the tandem with him and Taylor, I thought they did fantastically. Um, yeah. What, what were your guys' thoughts on Dunlap? Was he even in consideration? He was. Um, I mean, first half of the season, I think we were all pretty disappointed, to say the least, with the production from Carlos Dunlap. Um, Partly because I think, you know, for whatever reason, he didn't start the season well. And partly because I think we probably weren't lining him up in the correct position. Um, and then second half of the season came, that last sort of eight, nine game stretch. And he was pretty much putting up a sack a game, sack and a half a game type numbers. He was he was, he was was absolutely dominant rolling the years back. And we all collectively said, ah, that's why we gave Carlos Dunlap two years and 15 million. You know, that, that that's that's what we paid him for. That's mm-hmm. what we want. Um, so, look, if... if if Carlos Dunlap, I mean, he's still under contract for another year, so he's going to be back next year, unless he's a cap casualty, which I don't imagine he will be with the way he's ended the season. Um, so when he comes back, if he plays like that again, if he can, I'm not saying I want him to play like that, you know, 17 through that, the full, you know, 17 games of the season. Um, but if he can, if he can replicate that second half of the season form for a more consistent basis throughout the season. Um, because could you imagine if we'd have had his pressure at the start of the season? I mean, but by the time the second half of the season had came around, yeah, it was great watching him get all these sacks and everything, but the season had already started to fade away from us. And if it, if he had just brought that production at the start of the season, we could have turned those some of those dodgy dodgy losses, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that Titans game, we could have turned that into a win if he got a bit more pressure on a Tanit. Like, if, if, he can, if he can start next season the way he's ended this season and carry that on 
through through for the most part next season, then you've got then you've got one of the best pass rushes on form in the NFL. I, th- I think a lot of it with him as well was it was a dropping in coverage and yeah. b there was such a, a sort of rev, like a sort of revolving door when it came to pass rushes. We were desperately trying to get Kerry Hyder in the game for some reason or another. Benson Mayowa kept getting snaps, and again, he's a world class athlete. He's in the NFL, but I still don't rate him. And then Dunlap came in as well, and then you had Alton Robinson and Rasheem Green played on the edge every now and again, and he needed that consistency. And I think when they got that, when they got it in their head, they went, oh, actually, put him in that position more often, and statistically, he's going to make more changes to the game than if we're trying to sub him in and out. So, you know, it's, it's a numbers game in that, that, that respect. And I think that, that's one thing that he proved. And I'd love to see him more consistent next year this is last year of the of his contract get him to work closely with Alton Robinson get him to really coach him up and then if Dunlap doesn't come back the following year we've got a ready-made replacement who has shown glimpses that he can already do stuff yeah what do you think Pez? yeah um I think what damaged him a little bit as well was um do you know when he threw that boot, threw the boot away? Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that. In the Packers, yeah, like you saw after that, he started doing like he he started getting dropped into coverage more and things like that, and it's almost like it was a punishment. Like it's frustration from him, though, isn't it? Like if, if yeah, you're but... you're employed to do a certain thing on the team, and they go, actually, we know you're really good at that, and we've paid you money to do that. But come and do this other thing as well, which which gives you no sacks, nothing you're good at. All we're hoping is that because you're lanky, they're not going to be able to throw over you or around you. You're going to get pissed off. And to be honest, like I, I saw that, and I've said it on the pod, that throwing of the shoe was just peak shithousery, oh, which yeah. I love to see in, in, in a game. But, but I, you it, know, maybe not this time. It was funny. It was funny for us to watch, but mm. in the same breath, at his like veteran status, he shouldn't he shouldn't be doing things like that. Yeah, he is frustrated, but he shouldn't. But then I think it put him in the doghouse a bit, where his uh, rep started going down and things like that. And then it's been noted that apparently he had a meeting with Pete, and after that meeting, he went back to what he was good at, and that's everything elevated. So really, with him, you kind of put it down to it was more coaching and the shit show of what that was for the whole season. Like you said, with the revolving door, with all this, because, like, you mentioned Dalton Robinson. I was just thinking about him, and I was thinking, like, how many games did he actually have? How many snaps did he actually have again this year compared to last year? I couldn't couldn't find that because I got sidetracked with his stat line from last year and this year are identical. They're exactly the same. 20 combined tackles. 13 total, 9 assists, uh, 1 forced fumble, and the only difference is he had 4 sacks last year and he only had 1 this year. How mad is that? Just on a side tangent, I just I was, I was trying to find out how many like reps or games he played this year, and I just came across that and I just got sidetracked. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> but, <laughs> He's consistent. <laughs> but, like Josh said, he hit the nail on the head with it. Like, as we'll get on to the coaching changes and things like that, but Dunlap is kind of the highlight player in the defence. 
that shows there was just something wrong with behind the scenes. It was alluded to little drops here and drops there by media guys and by podcasts and people in the know. But no one ever really took bait to it to really push it. But when you do sit back and look at it and you see the coaching complete change in the defense, there was clearly issues. There's clearly there's clearly something wrong and he highlights that by doing what they did with him, what was completely wrong at his age, especially in this modern NFL when he's trying to cover absolute elite speed receivers. Like, old dog new tricks. It, that's that's the <clears> best way of summing it up. Just just let the old dog do what the old dog does and don't try and teach yep. him something new. Like we, like we said in this podcast so many times, he Daryl Taylor should have been in his position because he's younger, quicker, more athletic. Like Josh just said, leave the old dog on the line. He knows what he's doing. He's used to doing it. It's like automatic for him. But it it kind of goes it kind of goes into what we'll probably cover on the coaching side. It kind of goes to this whole thing of this team turned into this just trust our veterans to get us through everything. Don't don't risk it with the new guys. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna risk my team or reputation or whatever by testing out these new guys at this at this stage of this team and the coaching like the coaching tree career, what's there? It's, it's safe, guys, like, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's just we, talked about. we spoke yeah, we spoke about it multiple times through the season. It's it's just playing it too safe. Yeah. Playing it far too safe and this team never used to be that. No. I'll uh, I'll throw one of my out there in terms of ones that impressed me. Might take a few years by surprise. Um, oh, here we go. But no, it, it, I don't know. It, it's a bit of a weird one, but I've gone with DK Metcalf. Now, um, I, I, we called him out a little bit on this podcast in terms of the attitude thing. I can see Pez's face and everything, and I'm going to explain why I'm saying DK Metcalf in a, in a second. But um, yeah, I thought he deserved a bit of uh, a bit of love because I think we can all agree that it feels like this was DK's worst year as a Seahawk in terms of the production, in terms of the performance. It, it feels like this was his worst year out of the three that he's had. thousand yards. And he's pretty much hit a thousand yards <laughs> and 12 touchdowns. He's had the most, yeah, 12 touchdowns. Now, in his rookie year, he only had seven. Last year, he only had 10. Granted, he put up 1,300 yards last year. Um, and he had, I think three about three yards less average sort of yards per reception this year than his first two years in the NFL. But he's put that stat line up. He's like you say, Josh, he's practically had a thousand yard receiving season with 12 touchdowns, a career high number of touchdowns in a year where we've all turned around and said he hasn't been schemed in the offense properly. We're just throwing him down the sideline in double coverage. We're not working him across the middle of the field. So this season, it's felt like we've done everything wrong with DK Metcalf. We've done, we've played him exactly how you wouldn't play DK Metcalf. If the 31 other NFL offensive coordinators had DK Metcalf, they wouldn't have played him the way we played him this season. And yet, and yet, and yet, he still put up those numbers. So what I'm saying is, he's pretty good. I mean, if, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be better than sort of or, or looked at in terms of. On the basis that he stays a Seahawk for the for the rest of his career and he retires a Seahawk or whatever, or we at least get him through his sort of 
you know, to his early 30s and have a good eight, nine years of, of solid DK Metcalf. I mean, there's no reason why he can't be looked at in the same breadth of a Steve Largent in terms of franchise receiving players. I mean, DK is a special, special player in terms of the only comparison you can draw really is Calvin Johnson and he's quicker than Calvin Johnson. He's just as big. He needs to work on his hands. We all we can all agree on that. He still drops too many passes and yet he still drops too many passes and yet still puts up those stats. It's like any any other NFL team would kill to have DK Metcalf and they would kill. It was every other NFL off, offensive coordinator must have been pulling their hair out and pulling their teeth out, looking at the Seahawks and going, why on earth? Are they using DK Metcalf like that? And he was still able to put those stats up. So for me, um, still likes it. And 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 I saw you know we've seen a bit of the um, on a bit of a side note as well. This whole thing with Kyler Murray in recent days about him being a, a, a finger pointer and stuff like that, and attitude problems and stuff like that. Um, Absolute but, diva. Yeah, but do you know what? We we forget <laughs> we forget half the time. DK is twenty three. He's a year older than me. Kyler Murray is 23, 24, whatever he is. Like, these are still really young men that are, like like I say, are thrust into the into the spotlight. And and someone certainly like DK is told, we you're basically carrying our offense other than Russ. And, and obviously he's got Ty Lockett to help him there. But DK is the freak athlete. DK is the, the guy that, you know, non-Seahawks fans tune in to watch when they watch the Seahawks. Oh, I'll watch DK Metcalf because he's playing. It's like, and, and he's still able to put up those numbers. And I just think, if 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 we can get DK and keep him here in Seattle for the for his for the majority of his career, I mean, he's Hall of Fame, and I just think, like I say, the only reason I've mentioned him is it feels like this was his worst season. We've used him completely wrong, and he's still put up unbelievable numbers that that any other receiver in the NFL would be quite happy to have this season as their stat line. So that's why I'm saying DK Metcalf. I don't know what your opinions are. I- I can tell by Pez's frown that he's not completely uh, sold with it. But, but No, you made good points there because when you put that out, I, I was like, I don't know if I fully agree with you on this, but you made valid points there to Thanks. counter what I was going to say anyway, or what I was thinking anyway, right. um, because I thought he put a lot more of them touchdowns up at the back end where it didn't matter, but the only That's one, he, the only game he did was the Lions, and the it Lions, was three yeah. of them. Yeah, so, yeah. I take it away, like, no, I think the biggest thing that sticks with me with DK this year is but I don't know if it's him, I don't know if it's immaturity, like we talked about through the season, like mm. his at- attitude and is it's almost like he wants to play aggressive, but the team didn't want to play aggressive, mm. and now the team wants to play aggressive. So you tamed the lion, telling him no, you don't do that anymore. Like you don't do that. You're getting into too much trouble. Don't be starting scraps. Don't be doing this. Don't be doing that. So he tames. And then everyone slags him for his attitude, like he's got a shitty attitude and this, that, and the other. Well, he's mm. it's probably not that. It's probably the fact that he's been chewed out by so many senior people in the franchise. Yeah. For some of the things he did at the start of the year, what he's been doing since he's come in the league and what we love him for. Yeah. That he's proper tamed him and he doesn't like that and he's pissed off because he's a competitor. Mm. And now all of a sudden they're saying we need to be more aggressive. So, 
I can understand the attitude issue because mm. it, for me as well, it alludes to the fact with DK, it's like one is coming and you let him be who he wants to be, and then all of a sudden you want him to be different. So it's like, well, one minute, mm. am I allowed to be myself? Like you, you say I'm allowed. I, I came to Seattle because I'm allowed to be me, and now yeah. you're telling me I'm not allowed to be me because yeah. of whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. I just don't know if it alludes to again this whole behind the scenes, like whether it's him and Russ, him and Pete, the coaching staff. Like I don't know what it is, but there was with him. He just, like you said, he's what twenty three, twenty four. Yeah. He just, he, he, he just can't hide it. He can't hide it well like some of the other players can. Mm. He can't. He can't smile when he's angry and pissed. And I like players like that. So I was thinking at the start, like when you, when you said DK, I was like, eh, did he really? But then you made very solid points because then you bring into it that Russ was a non-factor for the majority of the year. Yeah, three games for Geno Smith. Like, but then I do put some on DK where everything I just said then it affected his work rate on the field. Mm. It really did. Like, mm. take stats out of it. And you're watching it with your own eyes. It's just like he wasn't running at full speed. It almost looked like, like in in this sport, like you say, some players when they're up for a contract or the this that, that they go in that protection pres- preservation mode. Yeah. And I just felt like when I watched him, sometimes it just looks like he's really pissed about something, and it's now he's just preserving himself to basically not be injured and assess his options at the end of the year, but. Like everything with his team, when the whole playoff thing went down the shitter, everyone seemed to have a weight off their chest, and everyone was playing free, and everyone was so it's so confusing. It like is, yeah. it really, you can just bundle them all up, like Dunlap, DK, you can just bundle them all up into the same situation, and mm. just be like, fuck knows. <laughs> With DK, it's a matter of he's a highlight reel player who wasn't getting much highlight reel this year because the ball wasn't going to him. Mm. Look at him last year. Look at the, the the crossing route, the touchdown against the the 49ers. That was highlight reel where he yeah. he blazes past defenders, like steps some. The lot that's one of those that you will look at over and over again. The plays didn't happen this year for one reason or another, whether it be schematics, whether it be he'd taken himself out of the game because his head wasn't in it or what. And I think the majority of it was his head wasn't in it. Like, he's a young man. He's obviously aggressive. They brought him in to be that aggressive wide receiver. Because let's face it, Tyler Lockett isn't. Tyler Lockett is super effective and underrated. Mm -hmm. But he is not that aggressive catcher of the ball. And that's what we need in DK. So he's come in to be that aggressive person. And then because the ball wasn't getting to him, because... Scheme-wise this year, all we were trying to do was throw these massive lobs for at least 20 yards or you know, the ball, was, he wasn't getting that lucky. He was getting pissed off and it's understandable as an athlete, as, as, as an elite athlete getting paid to do the sport you love. If you want to give the opportunity to perform to your top level in the sport you love, you are going to get pissed. And that's what happened with him and he went off the boil. And then, like, like you said, when we realised we weren't in the playoffs... Everyone's sort of shoulders just sort of relax. You could just mm. see they were playing a bit freer. They were playing for each other. They were playing yep. with, with a bit of fun. It was and backyard think, stuff. 
Exactly, yeah. and that showed with DK as well. You could see there were smiles on his face. He didn't exactly. look completely pent up all the time, which, yeah, fair enough. Um, one minute on that. Um, one thing, when you were saying that, I just had a thought, and, like, I don't, it's not my opinion on it, but, but I just had a thought about it. It's just like, DK got pissed, but then the image, the maturity side of it is, is he prepared to say, run all the routes that your Tyler Lockett would run. Because I honestly believe, um, just thinking about it, then it came to me a thought um, to chuck into the mix of the whole DK situation was, I think Russ played a massive factor into it. Like, we did speak about it. Like, it's just like Russ is ignoring him and doing this, that and the other. And I don't think that was anything. Everyone was like, his Russ falling out with DK. But I just had a thought then that I think it was actually more on Russ to the fact that, and it kind of shows when people say who's the wide receiver one in this team. Mm. Well, to Russ, it's it's still Tyler. And that is solely because, and this might be limitations to DK's game, if you, you, you kind of like could kind of look at it in this angle if you follow me, is when Russ is struggling, who's whose game elevated? Tyler's game elevated out of anyone. Because mm. Russ, because Tyler can run the tree. He can do everything, deep, short, crossing, everything. He does it all effectively, like Josh said, very underrated. Um, and he he's clearly still, even with DK there, he's still clearly Russ's go-to guy because when the players were on the line, there was high stress, high pressure. Russ just targeted Tyler, like bang, 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 bang. Mm-hmm. And is, is, is that a sign to maybe either... The way they schemed DK into the game, the like all the things about DK when he came to league about his limited route tree. Were they highlighted this year when Russ got injured and the chips are down and he was just hyper targeting Tyler with everything? I don't think so. I think it's with DK a big thing of it's obviously the psychology thing you mentioned about him getting pissed off and losing his head. I think that's why teams employ sports psychologists, so he'll sort that out. And I th- I think as a professional, Russell Wilson wouldn't just ignore one of his top targets. I think it's a matter of with DK, and like I said before, he's a highlight player. He gets double teamed pretty much all game, which leaves Tyler open. So it literally goes, let DK run, let him be double teamed. And then Tyler will eventually get open and he will start making catches and runs, Mm. taking the yards. And then when they go, oh, shit, it's not DK's game, it's Tyler's game, with the double coverage switches to Tyler, which leaves DK open. But by the time that happens, it's too late for DK to do anything. So it just becomes a, fuck it, throw it up there anyway. So, so then I think it, it's on DK moving forward then that, like, it's pretty obvious, but it's on DK moving forward and he needs to elevate his game where he can break double coverage, like your elite receivers can. Devontae Adams gets double covered nearly every single game. Isn't he like it's a different most... type of receiver though? That, that's the thing. So D- DK is that that big threat. He play, then, he, he's got the body of a tight end, mate. He's he's not going to make these these jinks in and out of, of double coverage. He's going to try and burn people, or he's going to try and catch it early and run through people. That's, is, that's is, is that not going to limitate his whole game if he can't improve somewhere to be able to break that double coverage? 
Yeah. Is, he mean, not like a, is he not like a Julio Jones? I, I, I don't really watch much Julio Jones. No, he, scores, he scores more touchdowns than Julio. They... No, but Julio on his prime, <laughs> because Julio's... He's, he's awful now. Yeah, he's toasted now. But in his prime, was DK more like a Julio? And I... Julio in his prime still managed to do it. Mm. And be yeah, very but... effective when he was the only guy at the Falcons... You know what I mean? The, All the, the league is... moves on. So that like, that's like comparing. If you said Steve Largent in his prime would still do it in today's NFL, NFL would he fuck? Because <clears throat> athletes have improved. But... Schemes have improved. Def- defensively, everything's improved. Steve Largent would do a job, but he would not be a Hall of Famer in today's NFL. And I will put that out there. Because as with every single sport, people improve. The athletes improve. Yeah, the athletes got... that come out of college now are fucking mutants. They are freaks of nature. When you look at someone like Steve Largent coming out of college, or Tom Brady coming out of college, look at him. He's got the body of a 12-year-old boy in his draft day picture. <laughs> Yet, as the league has gone on, he has continued to improve with the league. Mm. Now, DK will continue to improve with the league, but it also means he's he's against his top-tier defenders. Julio was against NFL-class like cornerbacks, no doubt. But cornerback players evolved to such a point now that Julio proved he's proved it in the latter part of his career that he wasn't able to get himself open that much. He wasn't able to score enough enough touchdowns. But injuries, so injuries well, Julio did slow him down. All, all I'm saying is, like, I do know where you're coming from, but I'm just looking at it because Julio wasn't too long ago when he was in his prime and he was like the best thing since sliced bread in this league. And I'm just thinking body types and types of styles. Like, if you are right, and Julio's dropped off with the league, like, moving on, how how do we know that DK's not going to be able to do that? Like, he's, he's got blue top. hair. Top, he's, top, got he's got blue, blue hair, green, man. pink hair. Julio anyway, didn't have blue hair. Come on, let's move on to someone but DK, because every media outlet talks about DK and his hair or his Nesquik or his funky boots. Isn't this quick? That, that cracks me off. Right? It's brilliant, isn't it? Um, <laughs> right. right. <clears throat> so one person that's impressed me, and I, I've spent this season looking at special teams and the offensive line, just trying to up my knowledge. And one person that really stood out for me from on both sides of the ball was Travis Helmer. Now, this is going to get eye rolls, people going, oh, yeah, headphones coming out of the lot. Right. Hear me out. Oh, I will. Right. Travis Tolmer, okay, has 16 receptions, 161 yards, 10.1 yards per carry. His longest was 31, no touchdowns, but rushing, 21 attempts, 177 yards, 8.4 yards per carry. All right. 73 yards is longest, which is obviously the fake punt or the fake field goal for the touchdown. And then look at him on the other side of the ball as well. And what did he do? Force fumble on the punt. Right. He, he's. I'm, I'm not looking at like your solid defensive, solid offensive. If you look at him just as special teams player, because let's face it, he's never going to be an RB1 or an RB2. But he offers so much on that special team that I think he deserves a shout. So you're saying he's... Um, he, you look at him more like a Nick Bellore. Yes, although Nick Bellore gets a lot of credit, and I would have credited him anyway because I love Nick Bellore. 
No, but I mean, I mean, moving forward, you keep Travis Homer in a Nick Ballore style role. Yeah, yeah, because hundred percent. Yeah, I was about to say because I'd quote Michaela when she came on. Yeah, <clears throat> Pacific Northwest podcast. Yeah, shout out. Um, he can't find a gap to save his life. Yeah. And still unfortunately, true. it is still true. He just runs aggressive and runs hard into people, and sometimes he wins that, and sometimes he doesn't. But, got a lovely barnet. But, <laughs> but, but, great rig. But yeah. I do agree with Josh on special teams. If you're going to keep him as a special teamer, and he probably will because he's not a real talked about guy, so he probably will fit a Nick Below special team specialist. Like and make a career out of it because he hits hard and he runs fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I see where you're coming from. I do see where you're coming from. See, running... left to center. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a little round of applause for having the cojones to put him forward as a as someone that you've impressed. But yeah, go on. I, I, fair enough. I, I running back if I ever come to Washington again, you, you owe me a beer. Uh, you're not. A, you're not a running back, though, mate. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> Is there anyone else? Yes, if we're going to keep on the theme of uh, special teams, I'm going to go DJ Dallas. Yes. For his returning ability. The Wolf, go on. Because... Yeah, but... Oh, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not sold on that, but all right. Oh, mate, You're not sold on returning. what? I, yeah, but he just hasn't... He's, what, he hasn't taken one, taken one to the house, though, has he? It's not like he's... What's, what's his face? Um... Hester. It's not like he's Devin Hester. One minute. I'm not saying he's bad at kicking. You two, you two can just talk a little bit. I'm just going to... I, I can categorically say, because I looked earlier, he hasn't taken one to the house. However, he he's t- I think his average return was 23 yards. Pez will confirm this, but I, I spent but, a lot of time on research. That's less, you, that's less if you fair call it. Right? It, it's less if you fair call it, but the fact that he is making the most out of most of his returns, as opposed to some of the other people who've had on kick returns. DJ yeah. Reed last year was a different matter, but I think he's been solid. I'd, I'd, I'd give it to him. I'm, 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 like I'm him, all but... for singing about the underdogs, mate, because oh, again, I... he's not a starting runner back. He, he did a no. serviceable job when he came in last year, um, but he's going to make his name as a special teamer again, and I think special teams need love too. They do. Oh, they do. Just. That was a bit of just a not that, just not as much love as I we've thought, given him. Yeah, I thought I thought <laughs> that bloody um, Travis Homer wasn't going to get trumped, and then Pez is thrown in DJ. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, so this is this is the thing for me. Last year, DJ Dallas wouldn't have done what he's done this year in kick return. Hence, why in I'm pretty sure in the Pro Bowl voting, he was one of the lead returners in the NFC grouping. Yeah. So clearly, a lot of people so think so highly of him. Yeah, but, but the thing is, right? So you, you say averages, and you go, "Oh, yeah, he could have took a fair catch." But did did we or did we not multiple times on a podcast kick off about Freddie Swain being a bitch and not running the ball back? Fair point. You've sold me. Or, or not right, the ball. Right, 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 <laughs> right. And how many times did DJ Dallas in his returns get it near, near have a breakaway? And so the average might look shit, but. How many times did he put us in great field position? But you've got Geno Smith as quarterback, so you might as well, 
you don't you don't look at it like that. Uh, yeah, how many times for me for me though nearly breaking away is no good though for me there's, so how many, there's a how reason many... yeah but there's a reason why though then why hasn't he broken away if he's nearly breaking away what there's something going wrong then so how many kick returns how many touchdown kick returns have there been this year james jags had one i knew you had one didn't you had one is that about it Two, what? three. Two. I'm not two, saying. I'm not two, saying. Three. Two, three out of how many games? How many weeks? Not saying, lad. So don't. How can you even say it? How can yeah, you say it? Isn't. He didn't take. He didn't take one to the house. So nah, that's fucking bollocks. But that's that's, just, that's your job as a returner. You've got to get it to the, the other end. No, your job man. as a returner is a to catch the ball first and b to put yourself in a better field position than you were to start with. Get All Devin right. Esther on here. He'll tell you get, it's about taking Devin, it to the other end. Devin Esther on here, Christ. Yeah, Devin, Esther, was just, Devin Esther was so fucking good at that because he couldn't make it in any other position. Oh, that's a... Oh, oh, what? That's why he was a great kick returner uh, and nothing yeah, else. Yeah, all right. So, so before on, James absolutely does his nut, go on. Yeah, you've got right. to give us the, the obvious one that impressed. What? You've already what? done DK. We might as well do one more. Go on, you've got one more to do. Have I? And if, if I swear to God, if, if if you miss this man, I think we've all we all might as well hang up our mics. Well, well, I, well ah, right. No, I see what you're doing now. I left this one purposely for Pez because I know it is it is lad. <laughs> so I've got Daryl Daryl Taylor, Rasheem Green, and Gabe Jackson as my other three that I had written down. Other than DK, I had Daryl Taylor. As Can you well. hear that heavy breathing? That's him yeah. working himself up. To, it's a good job. It's a good job of not doing a video yet, isn't it? Next yeah. when we do YouTube, we're gonna have to blank out like like Pezzy's. Sorry, that's my that's my mic, guys. <laughs> go on. Do you want to do you want to give a shout out to Jordan Brooks before we go on to those who didn't impress? He's clapped him. I feel I feel pressure now, Mike. I'm not gonna. Lie. No, you just have like to say well done, me. Jordan. Really? No, no, oh, but he was he was. Franchise record, isn't it? Tackles. Fran- franchise record, tackles. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Did did great, and the thing is, his coverage his coverage got better. True. Overall picture, it doesn't look that good in all your little PFFs and all your rankings, what people love to wank over. But he got better in coverage. What's he going to be great at? He's going to be great at blocking a screen. What did he get good at at the back end of the season? He got good at blocking a screen. But it's not just blocking the screen because he can tackle. He's a ta- he's the tackle leader. Like he nearly he nearly led the league. How how many tackles was he away in the league? And he wasn't. I think it was single digits. I don't think. I don't think it was that many. Yeah, in, in total tackles, it's single digits, and then he leads the league in another tackle record. Yeah. It's in my phone somewhere, but... When he's good at tackling, time, basically, isn't it? He's good at tackling. Yeah. He has his night time reading that before he goes to bed. <laughs> my little, my that's that's for our post-watershed. My Odd. little binder I've got there. <laughs> <laughs> knows all, my wife knows all Some about... Some pages stuck together. Yeah. Am I married to him now or what? <laughs> right. Because we but, want to get onto the coaching people as well, Pez, should we do right. one player who didn't impress us then, at least... So for me, I'll, I'll I'll throw out my one. I mean, actually, I've got three I written down. I'm going to go for straight away, you prick. What? Well, well, well mine. You're just taking mine. That's all. <laughs> right, who's yours then? Before I take it. No, no, go for it. Go for it. All right. Oh go. God, come on, just someone go for I've it. I've got three. I've got I've right, got three of them. So I had 
I had Dwayne Brown, Will Disley, and Gerald Everett, but I'm gonna mention Ugo Amadi as my one. I'm gonna I'm gonna take him as my one. That didn't impress me at all. Um I don't I don't see what, what people see in him. Um he's a nickel corner who can't cover the middle of the field. Um he's, he, he can't particularly tackle, he can't particularly cover. Is he any better than than a Justin Coleman that we had any a couple of years ago and we got rid of him? Um, you, you cut him this year, you save I think two point four million on something in cap space, um, and then you've got Marquis Blair coming back. Shove him in, shove him in nickel. You got you've got um, you got Ryan Neal. Ryan Neal can play nickel. I mean, I would much rather see. I'd be much more confident in Ryan Neal than Hugo Mardi at, at, at nickel cornerback. Um, so I just think. He's had enough time now, Hugo. I mean, we we shouldn't have expected anything major from him. I mean, he was a late round. I think he was day three, wasn't he? He was a day three pick. Yeah, Hugo. From Oregon. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, he hasn't. I'm not saying he's been bad in terms of his Seahawks career. He's been. He's had a longer career than some Seahawks cornerbacks have had. Not naming any names. Um, but I just think if we if we want to be serious about improving this defense, which we'll come on to, we've made some pretty hefty defensive coaching changes which would indicate that they haven't been at all really impressed with what they've seen, certainly away from the two lines of scrimmages on both sides of the ball, um, but especially in the secondary. Um, if we want to get back, I'm not saying win the Super Bowl, but if we want to get back to that sort of contending bracket at least and get back to the playoffs for, the, for at the very least, um, then you, I think you've got to do better than Hugo Mardi at nickel cornerback, I'm afraid. Um, He's not a starter, is he? Like The thing is... no. You can cut him for two point four. You can re-sign him on something a lot cheaper because there's not really. I don't think there's going to be many teams who will be jumping at trying to bring him in. Um, no. So you could cut him, bring him back on a cheaper deal because he's a good rotational player, but you just can't rely on him for every every down. Like guy, he's not a starter there. He's he just he does some nice things, but yeah, hundred percent. He's brought the boom a couple of times, but he loses the ball far too often. The ball and, just like goes missing from him. Yeah, and. And whilst we're on that position as a whole, because that's kind of my person who I wanted to kind of hit on, like Mayo's there, in Candice's there, and Alex Collins, but they didn't really do anything anyway. So it's just mm. like, meh. I'm going to chuck something out there, what's going to be a bit, mm. I, I just don't know if Marquise Blair's just, I just, I love him as a player. But I really don't think I just. It's been injured though. How can you say you love him as a player? We haven't fucking seen anything from him. He's played about six games his whole right, career right, and then just right, injures right. himself. All, right. All he does, everyone right. bums on during like during preseason. Go, Marquis player is going to be fantastic. He's made some great plays in in like in OTA. Who fucking cares about training? We don't see that. We see what's on the pitch on a Sunday. And I've seen a couple of games. He brings the boom. And then you're like, oh, he's out for the rest of the season. Awesome. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah. this guy who's supposed to be the next big thing, never see him. Oh, you agree, you agree with him there, Josh? I, yeah. I yeah. thought you would disagree with him there. Yeah, I did as well at first. I was yeah. like, one minute, one minute. But then... No, I'm really passionate stole, about this. I, I, all my all I hear, all I hear is people talking about Marky. Oh, no, yeah, great. Yeah, he's yeah. going to be, and it pisses me right yeah, off, yeah. which leads, oh, me, oh. leads me on to mine after yours. Well, well, Marquis Blair's this, that, and the other. Marquis Blair's this. And it's just like, like you said, I reckon Ryan Neal. Penny Hart 
he's a training camp guy that we all hear Penny Penny Hart's class in training camp. Oh, yeah. don't just stop Pez off on how good Penny Hart is yeah. now <laughs> and the connection he's got with Russell Wilson. Got better, better connection with Russell Wilson than I have Wi-Fi in my own. <laughs> I want a Penny Hart esque connection with Russell Wilson in my oh, Wi-Fi. Be sorted. It's just dial up that in it, that but connection. It is. <laughs> you, you you do watch these training camp videos and That'd like be. Russ throwing passes in his facility and that and Penny Hart does some nice things, but obviously he's not nice in real life because he doesn't get used. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, for a reason. But, yeah, that, that, um, Josh said it perfect earlier just on this uh, nickel spot. I'd get rid of Ugo. If Marquise is still on a cheap deal, I'd still keep him around and see if he can stay fucking healthy. But yeah. I'd definitely move Trey Brown into, especially like we said with Sidney Jones, I'd move Trey Brown into that nickel. And because he can cover, he can hit. He's small sample size. He's shown it. Uh, him being a smaller stature guy against uh, Claypool, who's a bigger, beastier stature, and he stopped him in his path. Like he stopped him dead on his spot. Like is a good enough sign that as long as he comes back from this injury, he could move into there. Then you've got Sidney Jones if he keeps on. The, the form he was at the back end of the year, you put him on the outside, that solves the problem. Then you've got Ugo as a rotational guy because the thing with Ugo, what I saw, is he's always good when he's a, he's a filling. He's good at like little spots. You leave him on the field too much, it's like he gets overwhelmed and you just can't understand like process and... Just massive brain farts consistently. Yeah. Fair play. I mean, it, it seems to be the ones that didn't, we didn't enjoy watching this year with the defensive ones, defensive players, and Great. that's mine. Well, I, I've put Kerry Hyder right up there. We signed him because what was it? He got something. He got something like eight sacks in a season for the San yeah. Francisco 49ers. But didn't four of them come in one game against yeah. a really shit team? Yeah. So everyone was like, "Oh, that's going to massively inflate your numbers." Christ, I could play rugby against an under 16 side, and I'd look fucking amazing. You know. It, Mm. He just paid came him, on. He paid him he a didn't. decent amount, didn't we, as well? And and what's he got for us? He's got thirty three total tackles and one point five sacks. And yeah. he he hasn't even been that heavily in the rotation. We've tried him in a defensive tackle. We've tried him in at the edge, and he just does nothing. And absolutely, he's had reps. Nothing. He's had reps over Alton Robinson and Daryl Taylor and Rasheem Green at times. Honestly, I make it make sense. I think it's one of those where it's like, well, we're we're paying this guy a bit of money. We should probably put him on the field. Yeah, you know that he he's mine. It just really infuriated. Like completely agree. Seen. Yeah, he 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 was another like in that in Candice, them two in, in, like a little partnership were two other uh, training camp hype guys, and you had a few people turn around, a few analyst guys turn around and say, well, that hider if you if you can bring his talent back if you can do this and if you can do that. And it's like mm. training camp, it's like, oh, Kerry Hyder's class. And he, he, he brings more than just his place, his leadership as well. And it's just like... Mm. I you, can have, you can have too many leaders, I'm sorry. We, yeah. we seem to bang on about that with so many players. His leadership qualities... Well, I couldn't give a shit about his leadership qualities. I, I just want him to be able to play the game of football that we pay him for. You know, we've got leaders on the, on the field. They all wear a big C on their jersey. Follow them. 
and then let everyone else just do their job. There's a reason people are picked as captains on any team. That's because the coaches think that they can do their job to the utmost and lead men or women, depending on what sport. Now, you're not going to pick someone. I'll give a prime example. With I'm going to go off on a tangent here a little bit. So in rugby, in England rugby, it's Six Nations. Let's make it topical, right? Player Maro Itoji was the captain for the under 20 side. He's now come on to the full England side. He's been in there for eight years or something, right? He's a world-class second role, but he's never been given the captaincy because the coach thinks if he gives him the captaincy, it's going to take away from his natural ability in gameplay, which, in my opinion, is good coaching. Flip side of that is that it could calm him down and make him more effective, but you don't want to take that chance. And the same goes for these people in the NFL. If someone like Kerry Hyder or Inkandichi, who was a first-round pick and has done fuck all but squander his talent, was that good, a coach would have faith to put a C on his chest. And he's not. Sure. End of. Mike drop. We don't like, Rob, oh, we like Robert Inkandichi on this podcast, do we? Bloody hell. That lad's no. not tuning in next week. <laughs> anyway, should we get to favourite moments? Yes. Uh, there, has, <laughs> there has been a few in what's been a pretty uh, a pretty diabolical season, really. But there has been some favourite moments that I think we could all uh, look back on and pick from. Um, I'll throw one of mine out there straight away um, in terms of what was uh, a Seahawk highlight. Um, Rasheem Green returning the block kick against the uh, against Washington for the safety. Love seeing a big man move. Love seeing a, a block kick. Uh, and we haven't. When was the last time anything like that has like had uh, you know for for the Seahawks? When have we ever had anything like that in a while? So that was uh, that was a, a little highlight for me that got me out of my bed and watching it and fist pumping and that. So yeah. Uh, and and again, just on Rasheem Green, he's been quality as well. I could have easily mentioned him in the positives. I mean, six and a half sacks this year, fantastic. Um, but yeah, that that's one of my favourite moments, one of my personal highlights from the season. Quick question: When you saw that, did you yes. instantly think of you know the water boy when he blocks that that field goal <laughs> and you see him running down the pitch? That's yeah. exactly what sprung to my head. I, I reckon it can, I reckon like he was going down the pitch, going <laughs> no idea what was happening. <laughs> that was a massive highlight for me because it instantly yeah, yeah. my brain just clicked to that. Go on, Pez, what was yours? Um. I'm going to go, because you could go multiple Rashard Penny at the back end of the year, like yeah, field day on what he did. But I'm going to go double DK action. I'm going to go the one where he got the touchdown over Shaq's head. Oh, yes. From Gino. Nice. Solely because it's Gino. That drive is in there do, for me. Do you want well, a really, yeah. quick, really quick fact as well for this year, which shocked me to my core? Gino had a better passing completion no. on average than Russ no. at 68%. Less, Russ had no. 64%. No. I, don't, I don't care. Gino. <laughs> Gino's crap. Just he is, but, get into but that. He, he knew how to play a system. I'll give him that. Then, I, would, I would have him back or start, but just, just putting it out there. The, the DK down the sideline, touchdown against the Saints. Mm. Yeah, good one. Uh, didn't he just? Didn't he just like? He just like shifted two, past two, his guy, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just fell to the floor. Like, oh no, he's past me. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> How can I make this look like a tackle without actually tackling him? Yeah. Oh, that stone on the field tripped me up. <laughs> Do an impression of Seahawks defensive back for the try tackle. <laughs> Go then, Josh. Let's have one of yours. Uh, my, my, you know what, my top one, and I've already said it about uh, on this pod, was Travis Homer's 73-yard run. I'll give you that, that fake field goal. That was immense, and the fact it was against the Niners as well was shit hot. 
it, it was you, you hardly see a plane like that. And as soon as it went off, I was like, oh, here we go. And and he he just went and who was the, whoever his blocker was in front of him. Um, made so much space for him. When he got in, I just thought, you know what? I stood up in my living room and clapped because I thought that takes a some it's a very, utter, it's a very civil response. It was got, very, very, very yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to be very quiet. I've got a toddler upstairs when these oh, games right. are on. Um, but yeah, the, a the cojones to actually call that play. B the fact that he made it seventy three yards without tripping over his own feet. You know. I'm not not saying that he's like Daniel Jones or anything, but it's one of those like he must have been running with the ball, thinking, "Did that actually work?" And got it in, and see the fact that it actually brought a smile to so many Seahawks fans' faces. I'll give you that. That Bonus was my points for for the little flip at the end as well. I did like that. That was uh, good oh, yeah. didn't, didn't know his neck as well doing that. <laughs> that, that. That was the this is the only one I'm going to score this year. Well, yeah, why not? <laughs> Pez, have you got any others? Any others that you want to throw out there? I've got to say, Rashad Penny's touchdown against the Cardinals solely because it's the Cardinals, and we love to laugh at him because. Fair can enough. we just have a moment, James? What did I say about Kyle Murray? Yes, yes, yes. What, well, what, the Cardinals yeah. too. what did he be did broken? I say, oh, he did is he broken, though, isn't he? And the but he is broken, isn't he? He's broken, isn't he? He's mentally broken. Yeah, but you were all about physically, though. Yeah, but why did he? Why is the rumor saying he refused to go back into the Rams game? Yeah, but they're rumors, though, aren't they? Yeah, but why was that? Because he was injured. You've had you've had to bring him up, haven't you? You yeah. and your Kyler Murray conspiracy theories every time on this podcast. Well, he, he's well, broken, well, broken, well, broken. Well, is he? Is he not? All the reports, oh, they might be rumours, James, but all as fans we can do is read what we see and go with it. And at this moment in time. He's looking a little bit broken. Into NFC West trade, Russ for Kyler. It, it's happening. Kyler, Kyler wants out, Russ wants out. Nah, nah. I, I, <laughs> fucking Russ wants out. Fucking idiot. Don't, don't get me wrong, right? I rate Kyler as a QB. I, I think I, I love He reminds me of a very young Russ when Russ first came into the league. He was nippy, he was elusive. He can get out of trouble and he's got a hell of an arm on him, but that's the baseball thing as well. However, he just seems like an absolute douchebag. He does yeah. a bit. I'll give you and that. Don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. There are times where I think Russell Wilson seems like an absolute douchebag. But he's I'd a rather cringy, have... He's a cringy yeah, douchebag. He's, 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 he's a proper... He's a dad joke oh, douchebag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has, uh, has Wheat's yeah. teenage dirtbag at the top of his yeah. Spotify yeah. playlist, doesn't he? Yeah. Just a teenage uh, dirtbag. There we are. Um, let's have a look at mine. Oh... I can't believe I haven't mentioned this one as well. The the Michael Dixon double punt, bit of NFL history. Can't can't knock that. No, I'm not saying I wasn't happy when it happened because I didn't really acknowledge that it was a double punt and the Seahawks were punting away the football. So I wasn't particularly happy, obviously, when I watched it back. You know, you can kind of go, ah, oh, that's, that's kind of cool that he did that. And uh, we all love a bit of uh, a bit of bit of dicko energy, don't we? Um, so yeah, fair enough. I, I, that's at the top of my list. Um, one that you did mention though was the Geno Smith drive that touchdown to Metcalf I did have that drive in my list as well that 98 yard drive by Gino where I think he didn't I didn't throw an incompletion or something it was just surgical down the field and we were all like oh Gino Smith's all right Gino can play one drive yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh, against the Jags against the Jags that's fair enough yeah um the only other one I had was the um the Wilson touchdown to lock it against the Colts the 69 yarder uh, which was uh I think I think 
I think Russ's longest touchdown pass of the season. Um, the false hop touchdown, I yeah, called that, that one. The false for one, yeah. The Texans. Texans, and I've also got the Wilson, the, the touchdown to Swain against the Niners, where he did that bit of Houdini acting and span out of that. Cloak of invisibility. The cloak of invisibility, yeah. That was, See, that, that was vintage. The reason I call that, that Tyler Lockett one the, the false hope touchdown was because mm. that game, you looked at the offense and thought, oh my God, this is what we can do. This is what the whole season's yeah. going to be like. And then, no. Second half Just... came, you can't win until the fourth quarter and all that nonsense starts again. Yeah. 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 Um, any, any, anyone else got any, uh, yeah. any, any highlights? Yep, you were quick there, son. Go on. Can't go without a Jordan Brooks highlight. Oh, no. Shot through the line and fucking took down Jimmy G. Can you, can you just make, <laughs> can you make your own podcast just about Jordan Brooks? If we succeed in him coming on the podcast, then it's it's all good, isn't it? But no, but it was a great play. Shot through the line, what? took down Jimmy G. It's another NFC Westing. I'm keeping it rivalry, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it showed for me how you use Jordan Brooks. And then we didn't use him like and that. And then we didn't use Excellent. him like that. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Um, on that note, unless anyone else has got any others, should we get on to, to the coaching changes in terms of how we, how we use Jordan Brooks? Obviously, I'll see, uh, I'll see how we can fit Jordan Brooks into the new coaching uh, changes. You do that. You do that while I introduce this segment, Pez. You keep yourself occupied. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there's some, obviously, I don't think any of us were particularly happy with the way Ken Norton Jr. was running the defence and, and we were all a bit annoyed and a bit fed up with the soft zone schemes and it, and it wasn't working and the, the, the lack of changes during games. And you could just see that something needed to change. Obviously, a lot of us wanted it to be Pete Carroll. Realistically, we never really think, you know, thought that that was probably ever going to happen. But um, at least they have made some changes and they've made them early, which is important in terms of the message that it gives off. They haven't lingered around. They've, they've got into the off-season. They've had, you know, the... They've probably gone on a two-week holiday to, you know, Hawaii or something, and then come back and 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 had the meetings and that. But um, you know, changes have been made. Sean decides in, who's a very highly regarded young coach from the Bears. Surprised that the Bears were. I mean, I, I would imagine they weren't weren't willing to let him go. But the Seahawks have obviously done very well to to uh, to push him to come into the to the Seahawks um, as an. I think he's an associate. Head of like defense, associate head coach. Yeah, he's, he's, he's associate head coach, head coach defense. He's, he's yeah. essentially the assistant head coach, isn't he? Effectively, yeah, that's what I'm getting from it, and that that I'm I'm happy with that. I've I've looked at some stuff of him on YouTube. He he seems like a guy that a lot of players want to play for, and um, I, I, he's young. He's he's a, he's open minded. He's got a, he's obviously very talented, very um, very talented young coach. So I like that. I like that philosophy that they're going for. Um, You've got Carl Scott coming in, obviously ex ex Alabama coach. Um, I think he was with the Vikings as well last year. Again, another I think he's about thirty four. Um, and another young, talented coach in mind that's that, that's joining the joining the team. And then you've got Clint Hurt, the, the the former defensive line coach, moving up into the defensive coordinator job. Which again, Clint. I, I quite like that. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. I thought it was going to be someone like an Ed Donatell or someone you know from outside the organisation, but Everything that you see and hear around Clint Hurt, and on the on if you watch like the the All Access and stuff like that, and the training camp stuff, you see a guy who a lot of the players like respect and love. I think 
I think we heard a report from like LJ Colley, I think it was this year or the year before, saying how much he had learned from Clint Hurt and how much he loved, you know, working under him and stuff like that. So he's clearly a very popular guy within the organization and he's been rewarded with the job he's done because um, like I say, I think he's nurtured some good defense. When you think of like Daryl Taylor and, and Rasheem Green, Alton Robinson, the D line didn't actually play that bad. You've still got Puna Ford, Brian Money in there. Um, I think it's probably our, other than the receivers, our best aspect of the team last year. Um, obviously, other than the quarterback as well. But um, and then you've got I am trying. His name is evading me at the minute. Andy Dickerson. There you go, Andy Dickerson, former mm-hmm. run game, former run game coordinator. Hell of a Barnet as well on him. We all, we love a Barnet. Um, He's going to the offensive line coach to replace Mike Solari, who's obviously been here for a couple of years now. He's, he, Mike Solari was well respected, but I mean, have we seen any real development from any of our any any of our offensive line guys? I mean, Damien uh, Damien Lewis, I thought, took a little bit of a step back from his rookie year last season. So, um, you know, it needed a change. However well respected he is, he needed a change. Um, so yeah, it's there's certainly some eyebrow raises. Obviously, the main the headline name that everyone's talking about is Sean Desai. Um, I mean, what what's our thoughts on that? I mean, are we liking it? Um, y- yeah. If I jump in, um, of course you can. I, I found it interesting some of the notes. Um, what was said by what's his first name? Heaps. He's normally Jake quite. A, yeah, he's normally quite a good source for correct information. Yeah. Um. And he was—he basically went along the lines of saying that um, he came to Seattle with assurances that basically he—I've been learning to say this word right—is it autonomy? Autonomy, autonomy yeah. Autonomy. So basically, he came in with some assurances of Pete because apparently Pete wanted him, but he wanted assurances of Pete that basically. He'd have the autonomy in the game plans, the overall coaching structure, and basically everything that Pete doesn't like to do with his coaches. Mm. Now, that that might just be all that might just be all speech in an interview. But if you take it for what it is, and the things what were said in that, you you kind of got to rel- how I look at it and got to think you got to relate it back to that whole. Jody had a conversation with Pete and John. And at first it came out basically saying that he's been stripped from some of his roles. He's been stripped back. And then it came out saying that, no, they're all on the same page. They're all just going to steamroll into next year and they're all good to go. You kind of look at the signing like that, that Ed Donatelli, if he stayed, that's definitely a Pete guy because they're, they're really good friends. Apparently, everyone mm. says they've been friends for years. Whereas Desir is a complete different kettle of fish because he's not "quote unquote" what we'd say a Pete guy. Mm. So, do you look at that and go, "Is that someone behind the scenes calling a shot against Pete?" Basically, saying that it's not that Pete wants him; it's a it's a fact that you you're going to have him because that's who we think could improve this team. It's yeah. a bit like the whole Russ with Waldron thing. Everyone was like, oh, Russ picked Waldron. But then other people were saying, no, no, no. Russ got to pick out of a certain amount of guys and go, right, out of these four guys, which is the best one? Mm-hmm. Is that the kind of same treatment Pete's got? Because for everything you read, he's, a, he's the total opposite to 
what Pete Carroll would look for. Mm. I mean, the big the big thing for me is, um, I mean, Sean Desai was in the running for multiple defensive coordinator jobs. That top of the top candidate, you know, that you see on these Twitter and reports saying so and so is the you know the the highest, the, you know, the the favourite for this defensive coordinator job. And I think the Seahawks have seen that and said, right, we want Desai, but we know we're not going to get him unless. Uh, and this is might be Jordy saying this. If you if you want to get him, Pete, you've got to take your fingers out of the pies that he's going to want to be cooking on. He's, he, you can't get involved with him. If he comes in, you cannot get involved. Just let him coach. Otherwise, he won't come here, and he'll and he'll get a defensive coordinator job. And um, I think it, I think you're right. I think it does says a lot potentially about something that's happened behind the scenes because t- to get a guy like him who's quite clearly so highly covered. I mean, he he did wonders with the Bears defence last year I mean the only reason why the Bears were still in content, some form of contention heading into the end of the season was was the defence and the way they were playing um, you know it was nothing to do with really the way Justin Fields were playing or the receivers or anything like that because they were pretty awful really um, it was the defence that, and traditionally that is what the Bears do anyway but the defence was was really good um, and, and that's why like I say he's been, he's been the number one target for a lot of defensive coordinator jobs and for him to not only move away from those and then take perhaps a maybe less prominent role than a, in terms of control, in terms of being the defensive coordinator to just being the associate sort of coach or what it like say, whatever his official title is. Maybe it isn't less power, I, I don't know, but um, it, it, it feels like that. So it, it feels like it feels like words have been said in order to get Sean to say, I think they've looked at it and said, you can't get him without without sort of... Yeah, because you know, to, to you my know understanding... I think it feels like. One, one second, Josh. To my understanding, his role is essentially he's like Pete's number two. Mm. Is that is that right in thinking? He's what it looks be, like. He's meant to be Pete's number two, whereas uh, your Pete number two would typically be a guy who just goes along with what Pete wants to do. Yeah. yeah. Is that am I right in thinking that's essentially his job? Title. It's it's weird. His job title is associate head coach and then dash defense. So I think he I think he's been brought on board as like an assistant head coach, but he's specialising in helping with the defense. Now that this to me reeks of a succession plan because you're not going to bring a guy like that that's so highly coveted by so many teams and just be like, do you want to be like an assistant coach? do a bit of defensive work, it's going to be. And I, I think the conversation was, we want you here. We see potential in you. You have an option to go to all these other teams and just be a defensive coordinator. Or you come to us, you'd be an associate head coach, learning from Pete how things work. And then when Pete does eventually move on, which won't be long, you will be next in line. You'll be next in line to the throne. And so- you will then have been able to have an input into the defence as it's played and who you want there. You'll also know the inner workings of the team. And then when it happens, you'll be the first person we interview and you'll have a leg up on everyone else as well because you'll have a, you'll have an understanding of the organisation. That's, that's what it stinks of to me. So, like, either Jodie's picking Pete's successor or she basically turned around and said, Pete's, Go get your guy. <laughs> yeah, Pete's picking his successor because the thing is, it's like it's like we've mentioned and like we have a chat with my brother who's very passionate and like he mentioned the fact that there is a high possibility that if Desir is 
everything the organization wants, Pete could move into the head office because he has mm. he has that in his contract. So it might not be a case of he's had it stripped away from it. It might be a case of if you don't change things on the field, you're going to be going there. But basically, mm. she's going to force him into the front office and then it's a case of, right, we're getting... Yeah, I like, I like what you're saying it's, there, it's, yeah. it's when you think, well, he's, he's, he's already in charge of player personnel. Whether you like it or not, that, that's part of his contract, right? So you've got him who has been at the Seahawks for over a decade. He has helped forge this club into what it is. He, the ethos of the team, what everyone buys into, he's there. And I understand we all call for his head to roll and everything. Since, obviously, we stopped casting for a bit, I I had a bit of time to reflect. And culture is a massive thing in any team. If you've got a shit culture, you've got a shit team, you have the best players in the world, but if they're all dickheads and don't get on board, then you're never going to win anything. Pete set a culture, okay? And to boot him out without any... Anything else as a contingency would just be it'd just be destructive for the whole 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 lot, like the team, the the coaching staff, the whole organisation. Whereas if you have Pete sit at the top of the tree, and if he does what a head coach should should be doing, like a company director essentially, and then have a team of people underneath him that he trusts and can just leave to crack on, and he has uh, someone like your Sean decides who he's coaching up to get to his level as a successor. So he can then step into a lateral role that isn't anything to do with managing the team. It, it's a fantastic succession plan because then we don't get to that point where Pete has like touch wood. It never happened. It doesn't happen, but he has a heart attack or something happens, you know, like it's a Bruce Arians deal, you know, anything mm. like that, just without yeah. the you know million cheeseburgers. If anything like that happens, we've got a ready made successor. If everything does go to shit and Jody goes, Pete, Front office, you'd still with personnel now. Like, let Sean have the, here's the key to the car. That for me is a fantastic way for the Seahawks to to plan for the future because you've got a young head coach. And let's face it, we all know the league. As we said before, the league is evolving constantly. The league is changing. You need young coaches to come in and instill these these new plays, these new systems. Look at Sean McVay. As much as we hate him for being a Ram, as a coach. Can't deny he's a good coach. You know he's mm-hmm. elevated that Rams offense. You know some of the plays he throws out there. You think, oh, fucking hell, never saw that coming. And that's what we need as well. And if if decides the guy to do that, mainly from a defensive standpoint, and he just lets Waldron do his offensive thing, I'm all for it. I, I think it's it's a fantastic move. I've got to agree, to be quite honest, because like you said, I've had a bit of time to reflect, and even though, even though I still am totally on the thing that. I can't ever see Pete changing and everything you're saying does sound really good. And I'd love to say, like, you were right. I'd love to say that, but I just, I can't see Pete changing. The only thing I could see happening is if it is like we're saying, and you get a young assistant head coach come in, it could bring a bit of the old Pete back. The not scared to make like you know, not scared to make them trick plays to do all this, to do all that. It could actually bring Pete back to how he used to be and free him up a little bit from this restraint of like we've said, where it's like only trusting certain guys anymore, like not letting his young guys play, only trusting vets, 
it might break the shackles and Zay might come in and be like, you've got Alton Robinson here and like he might sit him down and just go, here's a spreadsheet. That's how much you've used him. Look at his production. And then you've got dicks who are playing over him. Like, do you know? Do you know who'll be really excited about this and the change? Jamal Adams, because and I'm not saying that to, to, but Jamal Adams. And as much as I've personally, you know, said what I've said about Jamal Adams, and and, and I stand by what I've said about him in terms of how he plays the the safety position in terms of his coverage ability. Um, but what can't be, and what I won't argue with at all, is that it was criminal the way he was used last year in terms of just mm-hmm. throwing him you know, 20, 30 yards away from the line of scrimmage. And coverage. Deep, deep, yeah. So yeah. if if Sean Desai can come in and say to Pete Carroll, look, as, as sort of like a young sort of Padawan guy coming in, and that little Star Wars reference there, if you, if you follow Star Wars. <laughs> um, but looking up to Pete and going, so so just walk me through how you were using Jamal Adams last year, and then he walks them through, and, and this is how we used him with Ken. And Sean kind of turns around and goes, well, you know, in the modern NFL, you've got a guy like Jamal Adams, like, and, and and he sits down and he goes, right, Pete, listen, does a PowerPoint presentation for him and says, this is exactly how I'm going to use Jamal Adams. You paid this much for him. He's, he's, he's super talented at the line of scrimmage. He's as good as pretty much any pass rusher is at the line of scrimmage. This is how I want to use him. And Pete watches that and goes, do you know why? You're absolutely right. This is this is how we should be using him. And it, it might just bridge that gap between Pete and, and the old NFL to and Sean Desai comes in and sort of, introduce it's like it's like when you go around your nana's and you've got and she asks you to work like can you work this mobile phone for me can you work this ipad for me i haven't got a clue oh, how to use what it. an analogy yes do, do you know what i mean she's got, oh, can, can you connect me to the wi-fi and she, and she doesn't know how to use it because she's you know old school and everything like that sean comes and goes yeah i'll, I'll you just do this 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 oh that was easy yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it just brings brings him into the new age and maybe and and yeah it's probably going to come too late for him but do you know he'll he'll step back and say do you know what I've I've seen the light now yeah. I'm happy with him my, fr- my franchise is in a is in safe hands now going into the new era and if and if he if he can come in and do that and get those players playing like like Jamal Adams and and you know the the, the rookies and and Trey Brown and all these guys who could benefit with a, a, a new change of scenery. Then I'm all for it, and and I'll, I completely agree in terms of maybe something underlying about him taking over from Pete Carroll. I can completely see that because is there anyone else in the league who has an associate head coach role? I mean, what is that? I think you know? I think it's also a matter of like you can only juggle so many balls before you drop them. And Pete, with his player personnel, head coach, running the defence, putting the kibosh on Shane Waldron's offence throughout most of the season. He, he's dropped multiple balls now. And I think it's a matter of when you bring someone of decided calibre in who everyone respects and wants to play to a level that he can bring, yeah. it just starts taking these, like, the, these balls off Pete. So it's just like, right, there you go, juggle those three. And then when he gets Clint Hurt doing what he wants him to do, he goes, actually, you're pretty good at that. Take that one away. And then you you let Shane Waldron do what he wants to do and you take that one away. And next thing you know, he's just sitting at the top of the tree, overseeing everything, just as that focal point, that figurehead, who's just purely there to bring culture and keep that winning mentality. He'll instill the game plan and go, as a good coach should, should go, right, guys, this is what I want to do. Go and do it. I've said it before, and that's exactly yeah. what, it, what needs to happen in the season. If it does with this young coaching group, I am all for it. Because all these coaches, 
are Baron Clint Hurt, I think, in his early 40s. Mm. They're all mid-30s. That, that right there is a coaching group that will learn together and grow together throughout the years. I think Perfect. also it's, um, without, like, I bash Pete, but um, without, like, bashing him this time, is it's not too far from reality, though, because the thing is what people do need to remember, if I'm not going to just be on, like, hating him all the time, is he essentially was one of the main coaches when the when he came to the Seahawks, that generation of football, that mm. generation of defence, he gener- he what's the word for it? He basically changed that generation of football through his defence. Mm. Jacksonville Jaguars, they love to copy the Seahawks, they love to take all their ex-players. They got to, was it the championship round against the Patriots? Yeah. Nearly got to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Off the defence, and they just copied Pete Carroll's defence. So you've got to give him credit for he revolutionised the defence when he brought that LOB. That's the word I was looking for, because he did. But the issue then with him is, like I've always said, he, his stubborn, egotistical arrogance got in his way. So then when the league decided that, no, that defence doesn't work anymore because these freak athletes are coming in and you can't use that defence against these guys, and they changed it, Pete, like you said, Pete had no young guys to go. No, Pete, that doesn't work anymore. He just had a lot of old guys who were successful with him at the time and who just told him what he wanted to hear. Mm. And now it looks like, because that Clint Hurt looks like a fucking... Oh, you don't mess with him. Mate. Mate, yeah, you don't mess with massive. him. He's massive. Watch, if you get a chance, watch his mic'd up stuff because he's genuinely a funny guy who the guys... Mm. You can tell when the, the players are speaking to him or he's speaking to them, they actually pay attention and listen. There's a lot yeah. of affection for him there, which I think it, it speaks volumes as a coach. If your players respect you and have some admiration and care for you, you'll get more out of them. Like if you've got oh, yeah. just got a complete bellend, you know, drill sergeant like your Bill Belichick's are, your yeah. players will come in and do a job because they fear for it. But then the next chance they get to leave... They'll be they'll be gone. They'll be like, later's mate. You know, Brady did it. Brady, his contract expired, and he was like, ah, I'm out of here. Thanks for all the success, but I want to go somewhere that's nice and uh, sunny, a bit laid back. And Bruce Arians will basically do whatever I tell him. You, Pretty much. On the Jamal Adams thing as well, James, um, mm. anyone who hasn't listened to it, go on the Richard Sherman podcast and Ugh. listen. No, listen to the bit where KJ talks about how he'd use Jamal. That's a guy who's not long been gone from our team. Yeah. And we said it, and we are no fucking tacticians. I know. I'll give you that. I, I nearly crashed my but car. When he I'm said, on the way back from a client in meeting. packages, you put him <laughs> at linebacker. Yeah. I thought, yeah, well, if James hears this, his fucking head will explode. Honestly... Like, the rainbow will fucking shoot out of it. I, I listened to it because obviously he had that interview with Clint Averill, uh, Cliff Averill, and I thought, right, I'll listen to that because there's a bit of stuff come out of it. And then I listened to the KJ one as well. And the KJ interview where he was saying, I would put him in at, did he, was, was it Will, linebacker? I think so. It was Will, Will Sam. It was like, and I, I, I literally, I was in my car and I was going, yes, yes. People, anyone listened. driving anyone driving past me he must have thought oh my god he's going mental he's having a fit but honestly it, the, if a professional who plays in that position 
can see it, and we've been saying for so long, surely some ears inside the organisation has got to go, yeah. well, we pay him like a linebacker, he plays like a linebacker, give him yeah. a go at linebacker. And, and and just on Clint Hurt as well, I mean, he's got surely the, the, the easiest job to walk into in terms of the defensive coordinator job for the Seahawks, because... Like, like you just use Jamal Adams properly, stop playing soft zone, and and it's instantly we're all going to love him if he does just does those two things. If he just stops playing soft zone and prevent defense and brings Jamal Adams back to the line of scrimmage, he's, then that, that's all he got to do. And when and when Pete comes over to him uh, during a game, like he's about to say something, just put one of his big man claws on his shoulder, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> just squeeze it a You're little like, bit. No boss, <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> honestly like, well, like, like you said he's got an easy job If we, we've banged on about it so hundreds of other presenters YouTubers podcasters if he plays stops playing soft zone uses our, our aggressive and physical cornerbacks the way they need to be used so people are scared shitless to run at them uses the, the safeties if he uses Jamal Adams properly if we keep Quandre he's He's got no issues there. The linebacking core, as it is, will do. We've seen Cody Barton can do some stuff. We've got Ben Burkevin is going to come back and hopefully prove something, but I'm slightly sceptical. But I'm I'm optimistic in a Special way. Teams. Special Radigan. teams, yeah. Radigan. Ra- Radigan as well, you know. We could draft someone as well. Our D-line as well isn't as bad as people make out. Like we've no. said it, our, our edge... We've got decent edge rushes. We just need to use them consistently and within a right, the right package. Now, Clint Hurt was a D-line coach. He knows this. So if he comes in and goes, D-line, this is what you're doing. This is how that works. You're not dropping coverage anymore. And then the rest of it, he can sort out as it is and as it needs to be. We could have a really good defense. And I'd be so excited to see it next year. Yeah. On, on like this year's. Just a word on, uh, a word on Andy Dixon as well. I mean, um, is, is, another one coming from the Rams. I mean, that's for, for all we bash them. I mean, that's Shane Waldron and now Andy Dickerson. Who, who's that's two former Rams coaches of the McVeigh tree in prominent roles in the Seattle uh, Seattle coaching team now. But um, I'm, I, to be honest, I was a little bit surprised that Mike Solari went. I'm not saying I, I disagree with it. I don't. I think looking at it, he probably should have gone. Um, but I was Shut a little life. bit surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that. It, like it actually happened it's like yeah it's one of those things where you think yeah it probably should happen but it won't happen uh, but it has and Andy Dixon's now been trusted to to take over there I mean any thoughts on that I mean for, the big one for me is like say you've got a guy like Damian Lewis who had a great rookie season and then a pretty pretty bad you know there was no development from the because like the Dwayne Brown and that he's, he's just regressing because of age that's not particularly coaching and then super you know, bowl though yeah true because <laughs> Dwayne Brown didn't have that bad of a season. It's just he didn't. because everyone relied on him so much, so heavily, he got highlighted more than everyone else. He True. didn't really, he didn't, from a minimal knowledge of linemen, like, <laughs> I don't think he actually had that bad of a season. I just think because it went so wrong, mm. everyone just started, like me and Josh had a conversation about DK, everyone starts hyper focusing on all your main players. Jamal, DK, Russ, Dwayne Brown. Like, you know, they they all get highlighted and everything gets scrutinised. Every little micro detail gets scrutinised. He wasn't that bad. 
Well, the Rams just won a the Rams just won a Super Bowl with Andrew Whitworth at left tackle, who's about four or five years older than Dwayne and is no better player. So you can still so, win with Dwayne Brown, but so um, back on to the Dickinson thing. Yeah, um, I saw something the other day about him that apparently um, the role he's got with the Seahawks now is the role he had at the Rams. We right. just brought him as the pass. He's the offensive line coach. He, was he, was he the run, offensive? He was run game coordinator last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's the offensive line coach. Now he's the offensive line coach. That's what he was at the Rams, the offensive line coach. Right. He was in that group. I, I, I saw it and I was like, all right, okay, that's interesting. And that's mm. where he had all his success at the Rams. So mm-hmm. I don't know whether it was another thing of give Solari one more year, shit's gone downhill. I'm going to have to change a few things. Here's the young book. Get him in. Absolutely. Well, whilst we're talking about this, so I've, I've got the 2022 coaching staff up in front of me. Right. We've also got Carl Smith down as an associate head coach. And the the biggest, so that, that's something we need to explore. But the biggest one for me, and I don't know how long he's been in this position, is Will Tukuafu, who yeah. was a fullback that we drafted, then went to the 49ers, then came back to us, who is the quality controller for defence. Mm. Now, if he was in that job last year, I'd want to know what his fucking standards of quality are. I don't think he was given his due. I think I think this is his first job with the Seahawks, I right. believe, other than playing on the field, which granted he didn't, you know, do much of that anyway. But he wasn't a bad player. But um yeah, it, it, it's a, like I say, it's a, it's an interesting one. I don't know too much about him. Maybe uh maybe if we get Lofa Tatupu back on he might help us out, you know, I don't know. Um but I, I I don't know I don't know too much about him. Again, it's a it, it's an ex player. He's played the game. He, he knows the franchise. So yeah, it, it it's obviously it's a it's a minor role. It's it's like Nate Carroll. Nate Carroll's got another minor role this year. A little little pay rise, I think possibly a little little bigger of a title. A bit bit of a you know just a bigger bigger sticker basically is all he's got. It's just a bigger sticker. Like you know when you go to the dentist and you just get a bigger sticker as you you know that, that's all it is. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, look, we don't know too much about these guys, but all I can say is it's it's it, it feels like it's a really positive sign that they that they've made these changes and they've made them early. They haven't waited till free agency starters. They haven't waited till the drafts, anything like that. You know, training camp where it's too late. They've addressed it now. They've, they've set the sights on the guy. They've made and whether it's Pete Carroll and whether it's whoever else in the in the in the in the franchise have made. You know, they've they've forfeited responsibilities, they've forfeited rules to allow this team to get better for the sake of the franchise. And and yeah, I'm 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 really excited. I'm really excited with Sean Desai. Um, I'm I'm excited with Andy Dickerson. Um, and it's just it it we we all knew whoever whoever it was going to be, we all knew that it it needed freshening up. It had to change. That the coaching wasn't good enough, and the coaching hasn't been good enough for for a few years now. So they made the changes, and let's hope that. Uh, Hope that finally we can get some sort of uh, some right direction going on because uh, yeah, we've been just needed. Jumping with one thing, um, one just I, I got onto the coaching list um, after Josh said that just to have a little gander, and Deshaun set Deshaun shed yes as the assistant DB coach. Does mm. he get some credit for the turnaround of them them corners in the back end of the year? He was there last year as well, wasn't he? He yeah. was, yeah. Does he? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what kind of a role he plays. Do you, do you I mean, class him as LOB? Oh, he 
it's not a name that springs to mind, nah. is he? But, he did some good things. He, he was good, but he was uh, he, he he's like that um, replacement, isn't he? Yeah, it was, it was it's a, like yeah. in the old band CB4. of brothers. If you watched, if you watched band of brothers, the episode replacements and everyone's just staring at him like that is the weirdest reference. How have you plucked that from just band I've of been brothers? Watching, I've been watching band of brothers again. This week. You could have just said, "Have you ever watched the film The Replacements?" Yeah, no, no. <laughs> if if you've not watched it, listeners, great film, Fair. Keanu Reeves. And if Band you've not watched Band of Brothers, it is yeah. it is one of the best series ever made, I have. and it's twenty have, years old. We have the box set in our house, right? Just on a bit of a tangent here, we have the box set in our house, and every Christmas, right, when we get to Bastogne, we open the windows with the snow <laughs> coming, honestly, and we have we get the proper experience going. It's class. So yeah, little little band of brothers shout there. I don't think they'd. I don't think HBO would be expecting a free little shout out on the way to. Look at them, courtesy of Ben. They'll um, sue us now, won't they? Copyright. Yeah, maybe they will. Yeah, yeah. It's it's rubbish, band of brothers. You shouldn't watch it. Um. Anyway, is there anything we want to say on the 2021 season before we nail the coffin and dig it into the ground, and we don't have to talk about it ever again in as much detail? Is nope. there anything we want to say? Onwards and upwards. It can only be onwards and upwards. If it isn't onwards and upwards, I don't know what I'm going to do because I I, I can't take another year of that. I mean, like I say, I'm compared to you guys. I think I'm the earliest Seahawks sort of follower here. Um, so this is my first sort of real losing season that I followed the team for through 2021. Um, and I, all I can say is I'm thankful that I didn't pick the Jags. I'm thankful that I didn't pick the Lions. I'm thankful that I didn't pick the Texans um, because this was awful and I never want to be in the losing column again. Um, yeah, let, let, let's let's not make this a let's not make this a thing. I know it's been a Seattle thing in in uh, in historical senses, but let's 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 not make this a thing. Let's get these new coaches in. Let's get working. We've got hey, we've got double the draft capital this year. We've got a lot of cap space. Let's see what we can do with it, and uh, and and who knows why? Why can't we uh, at least get get back to the playoffs next season? That's what that's what I'm thinking anyway. But uh, yeah, like I said, there's still been some good things. There's still been signs of uh, signs of life. Like I say, we're, we're set with the receivers. I think our D line has been good. You've got a change of coaching on the offensive line. Um, you know, there's talent there. There's, there's undoubted talent in the secondary. There's no reason why this team with better coaching and some some more pieces added to it. That, that they can't get back to get back to winning ways and get back to the playoffs again. But um, yeah, nothing nothing else that we want to see on the uh, on the twenty twenty one season. No, close the book no. on it. Thank the Lord for that. Let's move well, on. Twenty twenty one, you have been awful. Um, we never ever want to talk about you ever again. Um, but uh, yeah, from now on, it's off season. It's draft. It's free agency. Um, trades and all that good stuff and heading into the 2022 season uh, which like you say can only get better uh, yeah it, hey we've had some fun on any any little personal highlights off the podcast from 2021 before we close it as well that, that springs to mind i mean pez you've had some fantastic rages and fantastic little uh Little little steam coming out your ears moments on this podcast over 2021. The rants, the, the rants, rants, yeah, rants, rants got to yeah. be the rants. Some of the rants and some of the debates. Would you say that's a civil way of putting it? <laughs> a bit, yeah. Some of the de- debates we've had, they they've been good. I'm looking forward to more of them. Oh the, yeah. Anything for you, Josh? 
Um, joining you guys on the podcast has been a, a particular highlight. Oh, I'll slip you ten pound by PayPal for that. It, it was one of those uh, long time listener, first time caller deals. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, getting to chat random bollocks about the Seahawks and uh, and speaking to Lofa Tatupu. That was a good highlight. Guys, an absolute legend. Yeah, that's right up there for me. Uh, like I say, we've been we've been looking to get some fantastic special guests on in through 2021. We'll hope that trend continues through 2022. We'll always be looking to get anyone out there on the podcast as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, and like and like I say, it's um, it, it's been fantastic. Really enjoyed it as always. Um, and uh, like I say, even when the Seahawks didn't didn't perform on the field, we still had some fun uh, dissecting it all. And like I say, some. Some rants and some debates is the is the civil way to put it at times and some uh, yeah I I'd imagine that if any Seahawks players did listen to this podcast they probably didn't at, you know at certain points certainly Robert and Kamdichi if we're taking anything away Robert and Kamdichi will not be tuning in to the We Talk Seahawks podcast going forward um, and but Jordan no, Brooks will put a restraining order out on me at some point Jordan Brooks I think it's already soon. gone I think Ian Rappaport has just put it on Twitter <laughs> that, uh, that Pez has got a restraining order I'm not allowed in Seattle you're not allowed in Seattle yeah wearing the number 56 shirt you're not allowed um, but yeah no it's been fantastic and uh, bring on 2022 bring on the off season bring on the draft and uh, yeah it can only get better so Everyone, thanks for listening through 2021 season. Um, I hope you stay with us through the 2022 season. We'll have loads of stuff coming your way. And uh, yeah, once again, lads, thanks very much. And go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.